Hello, and welcome to Science Brunch. I'm Katie McKissick. My online alter ego is Beatrice the Biologist. And I'm Mae Prince, friend of Katie McKissick and fellow nerd, I guess. So yeah, Science Brunch is this conversational science show that we, a conversation that May and I would have over Eggs Benedict and coffee as, as we do. I must confess we're not having Eggs Benedict as we record because that would be disgusting. But we are getting like, it afterwards. <laughs> all the chewing noises, you want to hear those? No. <laughs> but, but, Can yeah, we, we take this out in post? <laughs> no, it will stay in and you will like it. Um, but yeah, we're going to go do that afterwards because it is Sunday. Yeah. But anyway, so... We will usually be talking about a scientist, and today we're going to talk about Darwin, Charles mm. Darwin. Controversial. My boy, Charlie. <laughs> but before we do that, I was actually just going to share some facts I learned about Saturn's moon, Titan, Ooh. this past week. And this is not recent. We will sometimes talk about recent-ish science news, last week or two, it's something interesting that happened. But uh, this stuff happened 11 years ago. Mm, breaking news. <laughs> yes. Da, 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 da. <laughs> 11 years ago, everybody, something happened. Um, but I just, I didn't know much about it. And so as a relatively scientifically aware and literate person, if I don't know it, a lot of people don't know it. I certainly have no idea what you're going to talk about. <laughs> For sure. So, I mean, apart from, you know, the the hardcore, you know, NASA, NASA lovers, NASA nerds, mm-hmm. I... Up until recently, I didn't know that much. I mean, you know, I know about Voyager. I know I know what's going on. I know about the older stuff and, and kind of what the steps have been in a lot of the spacecraft. But I don't know all that much about them. Hmm. So anyway, what I learned was how Cassini arrived near Saturn in 2004, started doing some flybys, started, you know, taking lots of measurements, you know, and took pictures of, of Jupiter and things on the way. That's always my favorite thing is like yeah. when, a, when a spacecraft is like, like New Horizons, it's like, well, I'm going to Pluto, but hey, I'm just going to stop by every planet on the way. Or it's not, like Hollywood star, like <laughs> yeah. driving by in a, a, a dark SUV <laughs> and paparazzi like, tick, 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 tick. Yeah. <laughs> like, I'm going to make a couple stops. Get all these blurry pictures. Yeah. So um, anyway, so, it, so Cassini arrives at Saturn, and then in 2005, January, so first thing 2005, it sends Huygens, its lander, to land on Saturn's moon Titan. Okay. I must confess, I did not know about that <laughs> at all. It's <laughs> like, wow, we sent a lander out to a moon in, on Saturn in 2005? The people who worked on this project right now are just like single tier. I know, I know. <laughs> well, it's funny because it, it can be sometimes easy to miss that kind of stuff. I mean, so I would have been in college mm-hmm. and I guess just kind of, you know, nose in a, a biology textbook and just wasn't watching the news. And, you know, this is before Twitter and Facebook. So, if, you know, there's, yeah. there weren't as many ways to really easily find something out because I wasn't watching cable news. I wasn't, <laughs> I wasn't, you know, looking on CNN.com. I was just, you know, totally in my little bubble. So, yeah, so I didn't even know. Or a friend of mine who's who's really up in, in the know had no idea that news, New Horizons went by Pluto last summer. Really? I mentioned I, t- I totally mentioned it without any context. Was just like, oh, and then New Horizons, Pluto, blah 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 blah. blah. And she she was like, I'm sorry, what? <laughs> so I feel like that's a bigger miss because you know they had all those pictures for sure. with the heart. And yeah, like, oh. I don't know how, but but you know it happens. Yeah. People are just like, huh? I wasn't paying attention last week. What happened? Um, but anyway, so so Huygens, which is a European Space Agency lander on the Cassini spacecraft, which is a NASA JPL spacecraft Mm -hmm. it uh no gets hurled toward titan takes a bunch of measurements of the atmosphere as it's falling takes all these pictures as it's falling so we can see some of the surface (laughs) and then it you know plops down and then transmits more data for just over an hour and then its batteries run out yeah so that was i mean that and that was it i mean that was its purpose it's not like it was 
you know, not like something went totally, totally so wrong. So it's just up there all along. Yeah, I mean, it makes me think of you know the sarcastic rover Twitter, just like, "Has someone come save me? I'm so lonely." <laughs> but for Huygens is just sitting there like, so yeah. Well, maybe oh, yeah. eventually, like you know, like the Martian will launch someone up there and they'll cannibalize it for parts exactly. so that they like, can. Oh, there's Huygens. We need home. to get it. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so Titan. Um, I didn't know that it's. It has a thick atmosphere of nitrogen, which is weird because that's what our atmosphere is mostly made of. So right. it's kind of Earth-like in that sense. Uh, it's about the size of Mercury size-wise. so Smaller than Earth? Yeah. Um, but, you know, pretty big moon for it to be. I mean, Mer- Mercury's not that big, but you still. Yeah. Um, and so, but if, so yeah, so it has a, nit- a nitrogenous atmosphere and it has clouds and rain and lakes, but they're made of methane and ethane. So they have like a, like what we, you know, it's a water cycle here, but there it's like the methane cycle. You know, it's like lakes of methane that evaporate and form clouds and then rain back down. Huh. So trippy. So what is, yeah, what does methane do? Is it just, is it stinky? Is it, what is so the deal? So it's, methane is a hydrocarbon that's a really basic one. It's seriously a carbon surrounded by four hydrogens. So mm-hmm. it's, it has this like tetrahedral, you know, shape. And yeah, I mean, and it has ethane too, which is two carbons and surrounded by hydrogens. But yeah, I mean, so yeah, we think about it as like cow farts. Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, so it's, it's stinky. It'd be a pretty stinky planet if we were to go visit. It'd be like, ooh, Titan, I gotta warn Kinda somebody. Like Michigan in the summer. <laughs> uh, but yeah, but yeah, I mean, just like everything else, it has, it can be liquid if it's really cold. And, mm. you know, it's, if we usually experience it as gas. It's like natural gas, but yeah. So trippy. Huh. And it has, a, it's another one of those planets that has an internal ocean about, I think it's about 30, 30 kilometers or 30 miles. Yeah, I think it was kilometers. I, I was reading about it. Of course, it'd be in metric because, duh. But um, but yeah, it's, you know, pretty deep under there. It has an internal ocean that's water and ammonia. Hmm. So there could be totally living things in there. This this place sounds awesome. Yeah. Nice and stinky. <laughs> it's like, oh, this is the, the Windex lake or Windex internal ocean. <laughs> There's probably stuff in there swimming around. Mm. But anyway, so I learned that this week. And, and again, it happened 11 years ago. But I just, I didn't know. I I pay much more attention to that stuff now. Mm-hmm. I do too. I didn't have an excuse. I wasn't in college at that point, so I should have been paying attention. But um, I think it's only recently, like since being in LA, so close to JPL, you know, going up to the uh, Los Angeles Observatory for their science talks, that I've started paying more attention to that, and I love it. Yeah, I mean, I definitely was paying attention when Curiosity um, landed, mm-hmm. but. But yeah, I mean, that might have... And I remember, you know, hearing about earlier rovers land, but it was always just kind of, I would just overhear something about it, or or, or one of my teachers really would just kind of mention, like, oh, you guys see that? Well, anyway, let's go back on to what we were learning about today. Well, that was it such was a just, dramatic landing anyway. Yeah. Like, people were watching oh, that yeah, on television. Yeah, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. It was awesome. <laughs> I've never had an, a work meeting that was that exciting. <laughs> There's I never wish. been cheering and, you know, crying and hugging. yeah. yeah. Why isn't all of, why aren't all our jobs like that? We did know. something right. That PowerPoint presentation went so well. Oh, <laughs> champagne for everyone. <laughs> well, this week you said you're going to talk about Charles Darwin. Yes. So what do you have for us? All I know about good old Charlie is that he, you know, came up with the whole theory of evolution, right? Which is extremely controversial, at least in our country, because some people believe that, you know, it never happened, despite scientific evidence. So let's hear how it all began. Yeah, so first 
interesting fact is that when he published On the Origin of Species, Mm -hmm. the word evolution was nowhere in it. Hmm. Yeah. Okay. That took a couple of um, editions for that to wind up in there. So it's all about descent with modification, natural selection. He never actually used the word evolution. Got it. But yeah, what I knew about him is that it took a really long time for him to publish ideas because his ideas because he knew it was really controversial. I mean, his own wife was like, what are you doing? <laughs> oh my God, Charlie. <laughs> I don't know what she called so him. So it was because of religion that it was controversial? Oh, yes, yes. So he was very acutely aware of that. And and not, I think having his, his wife, who was his first cousin, uh, his wife being so freaked out by it, I think that really... Um, that that didn't help at all. And I mean, what was what was their religious background? Christian, baby. <laughs> <laughs> they weren't Buddhist. Or... No, <laughs> no, not so much. Um, but yeah, so he it took him a really long time. I did know that, and um, I knew that at one point he was writing to a friend about again when he was working through all these ideas. He was wrote to a friend about how the sight of a male peacock's tail made him physically ill because he didn't know how to explain it. Because in terms of natural selection, where things that are favorable for survival are the yeah. things that will be passed down, he just couldn't see the survival aspect of having such a cumbersome and ridiculous tail that would make you so visible to predators. It slows you down, makes it harder for them to fly. Like, why would anyone so he's ever just have like this? up at night like, oh my God, what's going on? I like to imagine it that way. He like makes nightmares about it. He like wake up like, ah, oh, why? He wakes why? up dreaming of peacocks. Yeah, what a weirdo. Um, but yeah, he eventually figured it out that, of course, it's because they need to show off so that the females will choose them. But I think female choice, like females choosing their partners was something of a, of a novelty I, I <laughs> in Victorian England. Be, yeah. Like, wait, they have to impress women? What? This may have been another reason why people were up in arms about this whole theory. Yeah. Like, <laughs> wait a minute. It worked against everything they believed in. <laughs> um, and I, I did know that he was a very, very wealthy guy like, born into a lot of wealth oh parents really wealthy so a That's lot of nice. the opportunities he had were directly because he was just loaded so he was just like on his dad's dime or whatever traveling around and yes doing the science pretty much um uh. yeah so as opposed to Marie Curie, who we talked about last yeah. time, who really had to scrape together everything, you know, took turns with her sister supporting one another so they yeah. could go to school. And So poor. Yeah. <laughs> this is not the situation with Darwin. He, no, 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 no. Well, that must be nice. Yeah. He, his dad wanted him to be a doctor mm-hmm. and sent him to medical school, but, uh, but Charles was too squeamish and sensitive to be a doctor. <laughs> so it didn't work out. Because, I mean, it was pretty grisly back then. I mean, you know, anesthesialist surgery, you know, just like, here, bite down on this piece of leather while I chop your leg off. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. And these, if if you're rich and you grew up, you know, sheltered like that, you've seen zero adversity up until that point. I mean, really, he was a very sensitive guy. So that just was not going to work out. But uh, the things I didn't know, for instance, was how many books he published. I knew that there were a few, um, but he published a lot of books before he published Origin. Um, so that he would be well known to kind of build his credibility, hmm. publish a bunch of stuff after it, which I'll get to. But I, I didn't know. I mean, he published nearly 20 books. It's hard to get an exact number because some of them lengthwise, it's like, oh, is this considered a full book or is this more just like a long essay? You know, you know. But, oh, okay. but, but high teens. I mean, it's just crazy how many books he published. Hmm. I wasn't acutely aware of just what wonderful friends he had and how supportive they were of him. 
So that was kind of cool to, to read about, and I'll get to that more too. And the books he published before and after, again, were so strategic. Like afterwards, he published a lot of books about plants mm-hmm. and how his ideas would apply to plants because no one tends to get an up in arms about orchids. Yeah, so a little, a little hard. He was very strategic, and I didn't have a full sense of that. And yeah, and the last thing I, I didn't know, I mean, I, I kind of had a sense of it, but I just never really thought about it, how unhealthy he was. Mm. Um, and, and again, how sensitive he was and how much, what a toll all of this did, um, what took, it took on his body because he was just so worried so constantly about what people were going to think when he came out with this theory. As soon as he kind of got it all together, he was just like, oh my God, people are going to crucify me in the streets and everything. So he, it really, it really took a lot away from him. So I didn't have a total appreciation of that, but yeah. Oh, Charles. Well, the fight's still going on, Charlie. I know, Thanks. I know. I don't think he'd be really happy to hear about that. <laughs> That's just causing <laughs> After more all stress. he did, yeah. So, so yeah, 16, went to Edinburgh University for, to study medicine. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, daddy was like, here you go. This is what we're going to do. Very nice. And then he studied just about everything but medicine while he was there. <laughs> Classic. <laughs> yeah. Such a rebel. <laughs> yeah, he studied chemistry, geology. He collected sea slugs and learned how to taxidermy birds and, you know, had I bet this, he like, was great time. super popular. Yeah, man. <laughs> <laughs> smells like all those weird chemicals they use. And he's like, look at this sea slug. Awesome. Um, but uh, it was a cool place for him to wind up because as one of the few non-religiously affiliated universities, there were a lot of free thinkers there, a lot of materialists, hmm. quote unquote, who, th- you know, thought about you know, things changing slowly over time and how things other than human animals other than humans could be could have thoughts and feelings, you know, things that were not in the Bible, essentially. Just yeah. like, oh, maybe there's more. And maybe, you know, maybe you can explain things naturally. Maybe we're not the pinnacle of, of everything. Very controversial stuff. So guys. he went away to college and kind of lost his religion. Is that what is like the classic? I, you know, I path. haven't read too much directly about, you know, like primary texts about that. I don't know if he ever was or if he just kind of was one of the people that just wasn't written that way. Like he probably went to church and was like, okay, whatever. Yeah. Because <laughs> it didn't seem to stick very well. Like a lot of these ideas were already there. It wasn't like he had this weird moment where he's like, oh my God, everything was wrong. If he, it sounds like really early on. He was like, I think there's more mm. to things. I think things have changed really slowly. So after two years at Edinburgh, he went to Christ College at Cambridge and that was where he met the people that wound up getting in this gig on the HMS Beagle. He was 22 years old. And they're like, here, they're going to go on this trip for like five years and we'll go. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'm going to send a 22-year-old around the world on I some I can't ship. imagine. That's like spring break for a year. <laughs> yeah, five years. Um, but he was actually only on the boat for 18 months of that. I mean, he was mm-hmm. really off the boat and exploring for the vast majority of the time, which is pretty crazy. But, um, but And that was really... You know, it's true. On the HMS Beagle was where he really kind of started kind of putting everything together. You know, he wondered why why the sea, you know, under underwater as he's in the bottom of the boat looking out, mm-hmm. why it had so many wonderful things that people couldn't see and appreciate. Because, again, the thought at the time was that everything on the earth was there for our pleasure, to feed us, to amuse us. Flowers are for us to see. They're not for bees to see, you know, this kind of thing. So he's like, why is there this really cool stuff in, underwater that we never get to see? Why would it even bother being here if it's not for us to see it? This seems like a very narcissistic uh, you <laughs> little know, bit <laughs> perspective of the world. Yeah. <laughs> and then uh, he observed a parasitic wasp that kept caterpillars alive to be eaten by its its grubs, you know, as they as they hatched. Mm, delicious. And, yeah. So that that kind of made him go, ooh, <laughs> nature is scary. <laughs> 
Wait, what's that family guy thing? Like, damn, nature, you scary. I feel like these kinds of shocking observations would have been less shocking had it been someone who like grew up less privileged. And then they're like, right. oh yeah, of course there's something that eats the thing. But even I'm surprised as someone who who grew up in, you know, the eighteen hundreds in England, you know, it's just like people are dying of just horrible diseases. I just ah, like really? It that it took a wasp for you to realize that maybe no one's like flying this plane? <laughs> Wait, what? Wait a minute. Yeah. And you know, and he found bones of extinct mammals, and so he was like, What's what is all this stuff? Huh. This, hmm. It's all it's all sinking in. And um, he saw a volcano erupt while he was in South America and, and an earthquake afterwards and, you know, and a tsunami after that. So it was like saw all these big geologic events and then huh. noticed that afterwards there were um, muscle beds that were above the, the actual waterline because the ground had shifted so much. And so this idea of things changing gradually or not so gradually was mm-hmm. big earthquakes and, and that, you know, kind of moving everything around and making different environments and making things that have to survive because things have changed. So, you know, it all kind of started coming together. Hmm. He published a diary of his travels within a few years of being back. So that was one of his – That I think that was his first book. But, um, but yeah, so he published that diary and then kind of started thinking about what he called transmutation at the time or what we would call evolution of this, you know, slow, gradual change in speciation. But he – didn't really do anything with it for a good 20 years or, you know, just didn't tell anyone very much for like 20 years and yeah. basically lived like this double life. And this is probably where his health problems started because <laughs> he was just so stressed out about it. I mean, he even made notes to himself about how he should mention the persecution of early astronomers because he was drawing that parallel between Galileo being, you know, thrown in jail for his suggestions. Yeah. And he felt like that was what he was up against. Well, he wasn't wrong. No, totally. <laughs> Um, but but this idea of of population dynamics was not completely un, unexplored. There was uh, Thomas Malthus wrote this essay called The Principle of Population, and he was arguing that there are too many people and there's not enough food, so so we should put poor people in prison and not let them have kids, <laughs> which is like the darkest extension of this basic idea. That's like, well, we can't all make it, uh-huh. so. Only some are going to be able to, like, let's choose them. This is really scary stuff. Um, You know, of course, I'm not saying this is a good idea. But this basic idea that not everyone's going to make it, only some will survive, was already kind of in the consciousness. But he he noticed it, too. And so he called his version, which is not this, like, horrible population control thing, uh, natural selection. That was around the same time that he he thought of it that way. Hmm. Um, Yeah, in 1839, he had pretty much finished putting all of this together. So this is 20 years before it was published. Wow. Yeah. So uh, he just sat on it out of fear? Pretty much. I mean, he was kind of b- building his case. He was pretty much done with the idea. Hadn't written up a whole book or anything, but was like, okay, I think I've figured this out. Now I'll just not tell anyone. <laughs> <laughs> it's a secret. In fact, he even said it was like confessing a murder when he would tell someone, you know, a colleague or, or, or his wife. It was just like this just dirty secret he just didn't want to tell people i just feel so bad for this guy it's yeah. like oh my god so so he was pretty much finished with the whole idea and then he distracted himself for about eight years studying barnacles 
which is what I would have done too. Yeah, go right into barnacles. Yeah, <laughs> the sexy world of barnacles because they are very different. Uh, males and female barnacles are like so different in how they look and the sizes of their organs and stuff. So he was like, "This is interesting. I'll just lose myself in barnacles until I've not all this stuff sorts itself out." <laughs> but um, but he and then. Not too long later, a couple years later, he did write out uh, a sketch, about 35-page sketch of the whole idea, and then basically told his wife, Emma, publish this if I die, just so you, just so you know. <laughs> if I die, just here, here's like 400 pounds, get it published for me. Because, and yeah, I don't know if it was really truly because he, at that time, was like, I don't want to publish this while I'm alive because I don't want someone to come after me, or, or, or what, you know, it could be a couple different things, but... Did she know what it was, or was he yeah, just setting her up for no, like an I mean, explosion? I'm sure she. I'm sure she knew, but <laughs> but yeah, that's right. They just come after like, her. So when <laughs> I die, just just light this bomb. Yeah, I know. See you later. <laughs> but um, what really got him moving was in 1858 when Alfred Russell Wallace sent him a letter saying, "I have this really interesting idea mm. about how things have changed," and it was basically, you know. Darwin's theory of natural selection just, you know, someone else came up with it. And he was like, oh, my God. <laughs> so it's funny. Like, ego, I think, yeah. eventually got in there. And again, he'd spent a lot of time. He'd published several books. He'd been doing a lot of research. He was getting more and more well-known in the community. So this was all – it all worked out. But, yeah, that was what really gave him a shove. Hmm. So he wrote it out. And his friends, his really good friends I mentioned earlier, Lyle and Hooker, read his theory aloud at the Linnaean Society meeting on July 1st, 1858, so that it could be kind of – in the books, there's this record of Darwin having this idea, um, but uh, but yeah, Darwin himself wasn't there because one of his sons had just died of scarlet fever. Mm. So, I you know, I just, I feel like this guy can't catch a break, kind of. You know, he's already feeling, he's already so sensitive, he feels so terrible, and then yeah, he can't even be there when his theory yeah. is, is read I mean, the I think these time. are the things that get in the way of science and scientific progress that people don't necessarily realize like disease sci- scientists are people <laughs> and they run into problems destruction yeah yeah but um but yeah so and then his actual book was published the next year and uh, and he again he never mentioned the word evolution he never talked about humans evolving from apes he kind of avoided what he saw as the, the really you know sensitive subjects with people but it didn't matter the all the newspapers are reporting yeah. like he says we're coming from apes <laughs> it's like the modern media i know it it was it's exactly the same so anyone who's like oh man media these days they just kind of take this like one nugget and just roll it into a big snowball remember the good old days when media was awesome nope 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 (laughs) never existed not true yeah so um and then again so after he wrote it he just started writing about plants he was like so anyway i did that (laughs) let everybody chew on that for a while well i'm gonna write about some orchids (laughs) over here bye he's like barnacles are so passe yep plants are the future so yeah he wrote about how orchids beauty was not the you know the not for us to to observe and just wonderful that god made us made for us but it was for uh bees to to find them and attract them and 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 cross-pollinate them like how how revolutionary i know (laughs) not for us yeah (laughs) so yeah so he wrote Let's see the books. The various contrivances by which British and foreign orchids are fertilized by insects. 1862. Wow. This R- sounds like a page stuff. <laughs> and do then... You, do you think people, because his work was so controversial, they're like, all right, I've got to make it through this plant paper. I don't know. <laughs> Just like halfway there's like... <laughs> yeah. Oh, I don't know, man. The effects of cross and self-fertilization in the vegetable kingdom. 1876. The different forms of flowers on plants of the same species, 1877. 
this guy was full of good ideas. <laughs> I know. But yeah, but it's and then it was awkward for him because he spent all this time writing about plants and how it's better to cross pollinate. Because even though we didn't know about how genetics worked, you know, Me- Gregor Mendel, who mm-hmm. figured all that stuff out with plants, he had you know this was not hadn't happened yet. So he was kind of just reasoning this out, just kind of intuitively. It was like it's probably better if you if you combine things that are slightly different and it'll make them better. But of course, he married his cousin right. and had a lot of kids, so it actually kind of bo- bothered him. He was like, oh crap. I didn't do that. That's probably not good. But his his kids turned out okay, so it's it's fine. It's fine. mostly okay. Yeah. I mean, that was a common practice back then, just to keep wealth in the family, right? I, yeah, I, I would assume. Yeah. Oops. Oh, yeah. Although he did, I heard, I read that um, before he married his cousin, he made like a pro and con list. <laughs> con. He's a very organized cousin. guy. <laughs> I wonder which side her face fell on. Oh, no. I'm just kidding. I don't know. I don't even know what she looks like. Um, Not that that's important, boys and girls. Um, But yeah, so of his sons, I don't know anything about his daughters because apparently no one cares about them. Of course not. But yeah, William, little Willie, Willie Darwin, became a banker. Leonard was an army major. George was a professor of astronomy. Good job, Hmm. George. And uh, Francis was a reader in botany. I don't even know what that means. And Horace... Oh, Horace. What a name. You don't hear that name very much anymore. <laughs> was a scientific instrument maker. Huh. Which sounds impressive, but maybe it was like really not. I don't know. Well, I mean, I don't think they had anything back then. Yeah. Really. Yeah. Nothing fancy. And then, you know, around – so while he was writing these books about plants, he also slipped in The Descent of Man. <laughs> it's like, oh, let me just get that in there. <laughs> and Selection in Relation to Sex. That's what it's called. And then The Expression of the Emotions in Man and Animals. Again – Man is not humans. You know, Homo sapiens are not the pinnacle of, of, of evolution. We are not at the top of some kind of pyramid. You know, it's are these trees, and we're all related. All this, all these ideas that probably made people just fall out of their chairs at the time. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, we should explain maybe to people who do not have a religious background why this was so controversial. It's like, I mean, I grew up in a religious household. I think you have some kind of knowledge of. Was it Catholicism? Yeah. Yeah, but uh, I don't. None of this stuff ever came up. It was. It was so like siloed. It was like we go to church and that's about it. We don't really talk about it yeah, any other time. See, for me, it was much more like no. This the right. Bible is what happened. I mean, God I think, created man. Yeah, Genesis kind of explains it all. It was like yeah, the, you know, God made things in a certain order. Mm-hmm. It was just like you know, plants and then animals and then and then the pinnacle of everything. Man, and then also woman, who's even higher apparently if we're going in this order. <laughs> except that's not, no, 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 that's not actually, actually what happened. Oh darn it! I forgot. No, but the whole idea is that God made Adam and then put him in charge yeah. of the whole. Yeah, he world. said this is all your stuff. Yeah, he said don't mess it up, and people always forget about that part when yeah. it comes to like religions, uh, religion and environmentalism. You'd think that they'd actually be like closer together because he's like, here's all this stuff, don't ruin it. Yeah. But yeah, you're in charge of everything. It's all for you. It's all for but, you, bro. But then Adam was still lonely, so then he made him Eve. That's the whole idea. But then Adam is still in charge of everything. Right. So that's where this whole like man-centric yeah. perspective comes from. And so, yeah. yeah, it is revolutionary to suggest, oh, not everything is for you. Things operate on their own within their own, you know, animal kingdom without mm-hmm. having anything to do with you. I mean, and it really, that sense has really stayed with us because when we were first starting to look at the genomes of ourselves and other other species, um, we really thought that we were going to have the most DNA or the most genes or the most something. We thought even, you know, 
scientists, and this is like 70s, 80s, 90s, were like, well, we've got to be the best in some category. <laughs> we've got to win at DNA. But we're not at all. We don't have the most proteins, proteome, which is the same thing as like genome, but for how many proteins, basically your catalog of proteins. Mm. We don't have the biggest proteome. We don't have the biggest genome. We don't have anything. We are seriously, on paper, not that impressive. Like if an alien species <laughs> were to come to Earth and kind of get like a... I don't know, like a rundown of like, here are all the species and all that stuff. They they would not immediately, I mean, obviously, they would look and be like, hey, all these people, they build stuff, whatever. Yeah. But on paper, if you kind of separate that, if you just look at like our, our DNA and all and all that stuff, and our, our brain to body ratio even is not even that impressive. So it's like, you wouldn't really, it's not, that's not what it is. But yeah. they were seriously looking and people were like, wait, this, this kind of plant has more genes than us? Boo. <laughs> So we don't look – our resume is not that strong. No. We would have to convince them in the job interview. But, it, but it really – that that idea of people have to be superior in a couple ways to, ex, you know, to explain all of this stuff it stays stays around. It yeah. definitely does. But I know – and I also know um, that Neil Shubin book, Your Inner Fish, because Neil Shubin's a scientist who found this – I think it was part of the leg of basically the kind of transitional species from water to earth. Mm-hmm. It's called Tiktaalik. Okay. Uh, I found it in, I think it was Iceland. Um, but yeah, so he wrote this book called Your Inner Fish and just kind of how this fits into the fossil record and how we evolved and, you know, how basically all land-dwelling animals evolved from, from you know, from fish, basically. So it's mm-hmm. called Your Inner Fish. It's a beautiful book. A friend of mine illustrated it. <laughs> Kaliapi Manoios, you're the best. Um, Shout out. But, um, but yeah, but people were like, oh my God, the title of this book, I'm not a fish. Ah! Like... <laughs> So, you know, it, it stays with us. Nothing makes people overreact like fish science. Oh, you know, nice. meanwhile, Donald Trump running for president. Seems fine. It's fine. <laughs> Don't bring that up. This is a safe space. <laughs> I'm so sorry. Yeah. So, so we are now at the twilight of Darwin's life. Oh. And I thought this was really cute. A Harvard professor named John Fisk, he went and visited him in 1873 which would have been mm, nine years before he, he passed away. But he's, you know, so he's, he's old. And he described him as the dearest, sweetest, loveliest old grandpa that ever was. <laughs> and that's how I think we should all remember him. Um, but yeah, he, he published his last book the year before he died. 1881, he published The Formation of Vegetable Mold Through the Action of Worms. Nice grandpa, but also kind of weird. <laughs> I should try. I I should have tried to do it in, a, in an English accent, but it's hard if like some the formation of vegetable mold through the action of worms. Mm. I bet I bet he killed with the grandkids. Like he's like, let me show you some disgusting mold and sea slugs. Yeah, like, man. Yeah. Worms. <laughs> no wonder like two of his sons got into sciences. You want to see my barnacle collection? <laughs> That's a good pickup line, by the way. Yeah. Just oh, FYI, guys. Heck yeah. <laughs> or ladies it worked on me. <laughs> Yeah, and then he um, he died of a heart attack in 1882. Well, he lived a nice long life, mm-hmm. and he's still stirring up controversy even today. We're yeah. still talking about him. Yeah. They're still trying to figure things out. Mm-hmm. So I'd say not bad. A plus. No, no wonder we still we still learn about him, kind of. I know. <laughs> yeah, that, that rich, sickly man who wrote a lot of books. <laughs> That's his movie title. And who your pastor talks about every once in a while on Sunday, very angrily. Oh God, <laughs> it makes me so sad. I really, I mean, if we could, if we could go back in time, mm-hmm. I don't know. What would you tell him? 
It doesn't get better, so don't worry about publishing it earlier. I mean... (laughs) Don't worry about it. It depends on where in time we are. Maybe it gets better in like 200 years. Who knows? I hope so. Maybe it gets worse. Who knows? I don't know. But yeah, I would would try to reassure him. I would probably just lie to him. Yeah. Just to reassure him a little bit. Yeah. I feel like that's okay. So you just kind of show up and just be like pat him on the back like it's all gonna be okay yeah. man so like, keep going don't worry people love this whole barnacle I'm from the stuff future. <laughs> i'm from the future i'm honey i'm from the future <laughs> it's gonna be fine just publish the book or you know maybe we could take him you know some like anxiety medication or something but here's the thing if he'd published it 20 years earlier would we be 20 years farther along in accepting it i mean again it's been over a hundred and we're still a ways. to think that, but yeah, looking at not. other kind of milestones in history, I just don't hmm. see that panning out. <laughs> Sad. <laughs> so, you know. But I would definitely want to have brunch with Charles Darwin. He seems like such a sensitive, you know, really sweet yeah, man. like having brunch with your grandpa. Yeah. That'd be awesome. No, totally. And he probably would be so excited to talk about all these different animals and plants that he saw and all the experiences he had on the Beagle. Yeah. And- yeah. And you probably get like the bagel and locks and then be like reminded of sea slugs and like start that whole conversation like, oh no, we have to stop this. <laughs> let's talk oh, about man. how. <laughs> yeah. Let's talk about how God didn't make man. That's much more brunch appropriate. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But yeah. Well, all right. So, okay. So I've seen pictures of Charles Darwin. Doesn't he have just crazy hair? Like a, a crazy amount of he hair? He does have a crazy beard towards the end. Okay. When he's younger, he's, you know. Pretty, I don't know. He looks like a young Kelsey Grammer or something. Just okay. like, well, maybe like some thicker eyebrows. But you know, but yeah, he definitely had a super beard when he was older. He was like Santa Claus when he was older. <laughs> but um, but he never had like super crazy, crazy eyes. He always in all of his fi- pictures, which again, like back then, because you had to have such a neutral pose. Like you, it's I never know if it like really is indicative of their yeah. personality in any way. But he even in his photos, which again, you can't draw too much from he he just looks very mellow and just pensive <laughs> maybe a little anxious yeah <laughs> poor guy so have there been any movies like fame i'm trying to think the only one i can think of is master and commander charles darwin was, was basically a character in that right like he was on the boat with them and oh like God, sailing was around wasn't he i never saw it so i have no idea I, I don't know if it, his name was actually Darwin in the thing, but it was kind of like a character based on that. Like he was okay. a scientist and he was always going out and like looking at stuff. And mm-hmm. he, they were like, oh, no, we have to fight this battle. And he's like, oh, sigh. I can't go on a, on the island. And look you know, at stuff. I, I think there was a Charles Darwin character in that um, claymation movie, Pirates. Okay. Because part of the plot of that movie was um, with that they were trying – there was like – just these jerks on this boat that were trying to eat the most rare animals, rarest animals. <laughs> I think I've actually. And so they seen all this. wanted to eat this dodo bird that this pirate had, right. as it's because instead of a parrot, it had a dodo bird. Yes. And they were all after his dodo bird because yes. it was one of the last ones. They wanted to eat it because they're just terrible. Um, I th- I'm pretty sure Charles Darwin was one of the characters in that movie. <laughs> but so if they like, if they actually ever got around to a biopic about his life, who would who would play him? Who would you put in there for him? Yeah, I'm looking at his picture right now. Who does he look like? See, I would say don't pick someone who looks like him. I would say, you know, there's so much controversy still surrounding his theory that you'd want people who would never go see the movie, who have like a a moral objection to it, to come see it anyway. So I'd cast like 
I don't know, Chris Hemsworth. <laughs> I was going to say Christian Bale if we're doing it that way. But Chris Hemsworth is fine with me. I mean, I guess it just, would it be an older one? Because, I mean, Sean Connery's getting there in terms of he just grew a really big beard. He'd be like, hey, Charlie. That's true. Um, but, but yeah, because he's, he's like Dumbledore when he's older. I mean, let's just get Dumbledore to play him. Done. <laughs> we'll just merge. Yeah. We'll just have him appear in Harry Potter movies. Exactly. And then just... Make him a, a spinoff movie. It's yeah. Like, oh, no, that was Charles Darwin. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. This is a good idea. He's got the like, Penn Steve thing where he's pulling the, the thoughts out and putting them in a bowl because he didn't want to deal with them. <laughs> oh, my God. He is Dumbledore. <laughs> oh, my God. It was like last week when we discovered that Marie Curie's story is just Ratatouille. Yeah, which exactly. I think totally works, by the way, because I was thinking Thank about you. it more. And you know how the rat is the actual cook, mm-hmm. but no one can know. That right. he's the cook because they're disgusted by him. Mm-hmm. So it has to be this donkus, right? It's the Wait, same are you saying that Pierre thing. was a donkus? No, well, Pierre wasn't a donkus, but he was a guy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And Marie was his wife, and they were just like, oh, that's just, well, he, she's yeah, just he a was woman. the vehicle for the science because. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And then people finally found out that it was actually the rat or the woman. Mm-hmm. And, you know, but I they mean, make a great team, so it's okay. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> It, it ends okay in Ratatouille yeah. in Mercury. Yeah, it's, it's, she does all right. Yeah. But yeah, I was, I was, yeah, I was thinking about that late at night the other night. <laughs> but yeah, so if Dumbledore were a movie, mm-hmm. if there was a movie just called Dumbledore about Dumbledore's life, I'm pretty sure he'd be a lot like Charles Darwin. Interesting. Super, very wise, very sensitive. Yeah, like taking thoughts out of his head and putting them somewhere else. <laughs> That's all I can think about now is that it was called a Pensieve, right? Yeah. 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 yeah I mean, that was him. All right. So, all right, yeah, we totally have brunch with him. Mm-hmm. It'd be fun, like having Dumbledore over. Totally. Maybe he can even do magic tricks. Who knows? <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> all right, so that's Charles Darwin for you. Good old Charlie. Thanks Good old for Charlie. joining us. Check us out on Twitter, at Science Brunch, Facebook, Science Brunch as well, and online, sciencebrunch.org. Or you can email us, very nice things, at sciencebrunch at gmail.com. Yeah, let us know what you think. Let us know if there's a famous scientist that you want to hear more about. Someone you remember hearing about in school, but maybe don't remember much. Totally. So yeah, just give us a shout out and we'll see you next time. Ooh, subscribe on iTunes and rate us and comment. Okay, bye. (laughs) 